Hello, hello. Welcome to the Live Like You Love Yourself podcast. This is Maria Kirsten, and I get to do the introduction this time because our guest is Shonali Sabarwal, who is from Mumbai, India, and she is a student of mine and a friend of mine. I met her uh, on a yoga lattice training in Bangalore in northern New South Wales, and it was you know, over 10 years ago. I immediately recognized that this woman was special. She had some real oomph. She had, had come from the corporate world, was studying yoga lattice, and was also studying to be a macrobiotic practitioner. You could see right away she had a big heart, a quick mind, and the tremendous drive, energy, and business acumen that was going to actually land the work and get it out there. And my goodness, she has. So she was the first macrobiotic counselor uh, to be certified and practicing in India. She has since synthesized it with Ayurveda and with really traditional Indian cooking. Uh, she's also the first yoga lattice teacher in India. She's an educator, counselor, social media phenomenon. She's the author of three books, The Beauty Diet, The Love Diet, and The Detox Diet. And she's got three more books coming out, if you can believe it. She's the host of the Soul Food Conversations podcast on Audible. And I wanted to reach out because I was like, how is this woman doing it? She's living in India. She is a phenomenon. And so we wanted not only to learn about how she's making it as a woman in India in these strange times. We wanted to learn about her work. But as Shara and I always love to do, we wanted to delve into how her practice sustains her. How does it nourish her? How does it ground her and keep her in a position where she can keep learning and relating and staying open to the world? So we really got a little glimpse into how she's doing that and a glimpse into Mumbai in 2020 and into Shanali's plans for the future. So you have to make sure you do your practice so you don't become exhausted by just hearing the incredible output that she's got. But obviously her practice is really working for her. We really enjoyed this conversation and I hope you do too. Shanali Sabawal. Maria and Shara here Hi. again. And today we've got a very exciting guest, or very exciting for me, but also for all of you, yeah. Shonali Sabawal from Mumbai. Is that where you are, Shonali? Yes, I'm in Mumbai. And you're currently, according to Vogue, what are you, the nutritionist of the year or something, the number one nutritionist or... Yeah, well, yeah, I am this year. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Is, Congratulations. I know. Vogue India, but Vogue India has uh -huh. uh, selected me to be the best nutritionist of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yes, and and you were formerly my student, which is yes. lots of fun. So so which I is even to... bigger than getting selected by Vogue. You know <laughs> was it exactly? That's lovely. <laughs> That's lovely. And we really haven't, aside from a little bit of following on Facebook caught up properly since then. So, so I'm just excited to hear about what has happened to you between Yoga Lati's teacher training and yeah. now. <laughs> so uh, a whole lot, actually. Um, I was shunting between two programs. I was doing my Cushy Institute macrobiotic uh, 
qualifications. At the same time, I was doing the yoga lattes. I came back and uh, of course, uh, you know, because I always feel like I'm the granddaughter of Pakistan because my parents were pre-partition from there. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the daughter of India, because I grew up in India and was born in England, grew up in India. So my parents met in Mumbai, uh, but they both came from pre-partition partition Pakistan. Mm-hmm. So they had the same uh, background. And uh, America was like my surrogate mom because I studied there for almost 10 years of my life. So oh, I wow. always feel my insides are, uh, uh, you know, Pakistani, but my... Uh, upbringing is Indian and my thinking is American. So I think it's a good combination. <laughs> and it's a great combination to survive in India because India is still very tough on women, mm-hmm. uh, single women especially, and I'm single. Mm-hmm. So uh, it made it harder. But when I got back, I finally got into it. I was changing careers at a very late stage in my life because I was in the market research field for almost 12, 13 years and hardcore corporate climbing up the ladder two posts away from being associate director. And then I decided to uh, give it all up. I was getting divorced. I had a chance to look at my life again on a canvas and say, look, look, I can do what I want. Mm -hmm. And uh, I chose to then get into the field of wellness and, you know, get qualified as a macrobiotic nutritionist because I put my dad on the diet who had stage four cancer and he didn't stick to it. So he didn't recover, but it got me to the macrobiotic approach. And I had also healed from a slip disc and it was uh, Louise Solomon's program that made me do it. So I landed up studying, um, you know, yoga lattes in Byron Bay. And uh, yeah, so ever since I got back, I, I, I came back like a proper American thinking, you know, here I am, I've got this market research degree, I'm going to, you know, uh, where my I had my Louis Vuitton bag and I you know had my uh, all that stuff and I came back and I said you know I'm gonna have this great wellness plan for India and I'm bringing macrobiotics back and then I had this friend who had uh, invested a little money in my uh, program and took me to this local market in Mumbai bought me five meal boxes and bought me uh, you know little vessels and things and he said look start cooking and I was like mm-hmm. my dreams came crashing down and I'm like you know, here I am, I've come with this whole wellness plan because I was from the market research background and I put down this whole, uh, you know, vision board on in numbers because I have that background mm. to see where I would go and I had it all planned. But all he said was, look, get out, get the food out and we'll see where you go with it. So I started cooking. I started from home. Um, I have a small kitchen, but uh, I had a staff. I started cooking macrobiotic food. I started getting it out. Uh, we have a system in India that's very popular that the whole world's heard about called the Dabba Walas. The Dabba Walas are these guys who uh, take these meal boxes to people and they're mm-hmm. very well orchestrated through the city because we have a great network and a transport service. So, uh, and the Dabba Wala system has been studied at Harvard because it's a system that never goes wrong. So you mm-hmm. can give the guy the meal box at 9.30. He wants it at 9.30 in the morning, but everywhere in the city, it's delivered by like 12.30. It's amazing. So we have this network. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's yeah. been studied. Like the, their system is pared down and they go by this coding on the boxes and all that. So I started with them. So I started India's first microbiotic vegan meal service. I say that very proudly with no <laughs> yeah, wow. at all in uh, 2008. And uh, we have a very big Bollywood culture here. So if you can get even one Bollywood person to eat your food, it's going to be, it, it's great for you. So I was very lucky. Within the first 10 days, the topmost Bollywood actress, actress saw a poster up at some local shop and started eating with me. 
and then she talked about it you know without me asking she talked about the food so more word got out so more bollywood people came on and soon from 5 i grew to about 30 and then i grew to about 50 and uh, of course so that carried on so it was like once i got onto that bandwagon and i was like in the running doing these meals cooking every day myself and cooking with just you know helpers sous chefs kind of a thing not mm-hmm. even like chefs in the real sense of the word but people who literally are domestic helps in our kitchens uh-huh. mm. um uh, but you know they they need a job so obviously i have uh, india's very rich on the whole labor system so mm. you know uh, you you pay them well and they stay with you and i had these bengali women bengali women are very strong women they come from calcutta so they've got these genes where you know they have it in them to get up and do the work and it was really hard work so we were going from pretty much morning to evening because i had evening meals as well so i was doing in in 2008 i was doing thyroid pcod the bollywood actress the diabetic so i had this meal plan uh you know orchestrated across all these conditions and uh you know we were giving out the food and then my books happened so suddenly the publisher noticed me and my first book happened uh, i love it my, my, my books happened i know like <laughs> wait what? i wish i could make a book happen <laughs> yeah So I've written three so far, but the first one happened in 2012. Uh, Penguin Random House approached me saying, "Look, we're seeing what you're doing. Um, we like your 360 degree approach because I was doing workshops on the side. I was, you know, cooking. Uh, I was counseling also, but my counseling practice was moving slowly because people were not realizing the value of food as medicine yet. Hmm. 2007 and 8 was a start of the whole health food movement in India." Hmm. because we had not really jumped on it the way the west has you know yeah. uh so people were still realizing oh food as medicine what the hell does she mean blah 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 but the book happened and then the book got my counseling work out so i talked a lot about the case work that i do and how i work and again india always has a bollywood peg so they took these bollywood beauties for the cover as a sales peg but the book was all about the heart and nuts and bolts of macrobiotics What was and that book? What was the name of it? The Beauty Diet. The Beauty Diet. Yeah, and so have, yeah. yeah. So The Beauty Diet was my first book. And, and is it a diet? Books. I know this we can't see this but that was the first book. Yeah. Ah, the, the Beauty the Diet. The I wondered cover. who they were. Yeah. So is yeah. it is it a diet? Well, no. The diet is macrobiotics, but they yeah. pegged it as the beauty diet because okay. obviously they wanted to sell the book, right? Yeah. <laughs> so and I had these Bollywood girls to talk about and they were very free with their uh testimonials in the book so mm-hmm. so you know the, uh, so we had a perfect peg for the book uh for the cover because obviously the the cover is what makes you people pick up the book but then it said mm-hmm. the beauty diet which is another peg which people were not looking at they were not looking at food for beauty mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um so that happened then we moved along and i was then my counseling practice started growing so slowly with the book and then the second book came along within two years called the love diet where i was talking about self love through food but oh, nice. i think that book you know books are like babies because uh you can do well with one and then you mess up with the other little bit <laughs> <laughs> so that's what was happening the publisher was trying to you know mother my child and i was trying to mother my own child and unfortunately that book people didn't understand what it was all about it was a little bit of a hodgepodge i feel yeah. so it didn't do as well as the first one but then my third book really did well i wrote again uh two years later so every two years i wrote a book uh, i wrote the detox diet which was about gut health which is what macrobiotics mm. is very centric on mm. and that book really <laughs> talked about the nuts and bolts bolts of the gut 
which is such a big topic today and it came mm. out at a time when india when also we were ready to absorb it so that happened so three books then the consulting practice started growing and now i was burnt out cooking Mm. Uh, I gave it up at a time when India was just about picking up on the whole meal business. Mm. But I was nine years into the business. I was really like burnt out because it's 365 days of the year, every day, couldn't leave the kitchen. Clients were tough. So I decided, and I couldn't go back into the kitchen for two years after that. Like I couldn't do cooking even for myself. Mm -hmm. You know, I was just, we have this domestic staff situation in our homes, which we are very blessed to have. Yeah. cooking but i wasn't doing it so uh, that happened and then i started my counseling practice grew uh, i um, kind of uh, you know started counseling very difficult conditions because i didn't realize over the years i was slowly getting into that arena where a cancer or a irritable bowel disorder crohn's disease ulcerative colitis allergies they started coming to me which is what macrobiotics is all about in any case so well can i stop you there what is sure. macro so yeah because um shar is an ayurveda practitioner and, yeah you know, we're both yoga so, therapists um, yeah so yeah so macro means large and bios means life yeah so a larger than life approach to staying well and healthy a lot of people ask me why did i go abroad why didn't i just get into ayurvedic diet now the mm. good thing that happened to me at that time since both of you do ayurveda is that i also started going to a very good ayurvedic clinic down south and i hooked up with one of the best ayurvedic doctors in the world i mean mm. i can truly say who's he that is the best so if you guys ever come down please let yeah. me know his name is dr ravindran he is wow. uh, one of the best practitioners mm. who do uh, pulse diagnosis which is uh-huh. what ayurveda is all about and uh, he gives you he knows his plant his expertise is plant combinations so uh, he knows how to tackle which disease with what plant combination i mean he's a genius he literally dreams plant combinations <laughs> so i had the uh, good fortune of in, uh, meeting him just when i started when i came to australia so i was coming back and doing my panchakarma and going back and doing my uh, yoga lattes and then going back and doing my ayurveda but coming back to him and doing my panchakarma as well Mm-hmm. and we hooked up and then when i came back i went for a slip disc because i came to yoga lattes because of that and i went to him because of that but we had such a great re- relationship he's about 4 years my senior and uh, uh you know he uh, he and me started working on my cases because i i wanted someone non invasive to help me with all these difficult cases that i had i take people off allopathic medication mm-hmm. so he was perfect he came in and then we kind of married the macrobiotic diet which uh, is very close to ayurveda mm. to his medication so i started mm-hmm. sending all my patients to him who'd make the who slip it out go to him get his then uh, you know pulse read and get the medication and uh, he started working on the medica- medical front and i started working on the dietary front and we had some amazing successes like mm-hmm. both of us together worked and uh, it was amazing so i've kind of married both the approaches as well so that's another thing i've done over the last oh, 13 years is uh, taken his medication taken my uh, diet and uh, uh, with a common ground of the ayurvedic approach because i've studied that as well a little bit with him we've kind of arrived at something which works at least for me and for him mm-hmm. uh, and then my my whole my whole next plan is to open a facility up in the hills with him so that's the big business plan that i have wow wow yeah so so yeah so it's it's been exciting because uh, i got to and then i do vipassana meditation as well i've been doing mm-hmm. it for 24 years so so i found that in my life and um, 
everything converged at one spot and my calling in life happened because of uh, these disciplines that i attracted you know like i was a vipassana meditator uh, before i went to byron before i did my macrobiotic course so i understood the food and its energetics that's what macrobiotics talks about mm. they talk about the yin yang of foods talk about the energy of foods uh, then i got into macrobiotics and ultimately all the disciplines including ayurveda go back to vibrating at a higher frequency for spiritual growth self evolution and health that mm-hmm. is the ultimate goal and i know i was always on the path i mean i do, i don't want to say i'm i'm secular on the path of vipassana in the sense that it's the path of knowledge mm-hmm. which um, you know goes back into buddha's buddha and what he practiced but not buddhism so mm-hmm. it's not buddhism but in in as much as it's just the practice so i've been doing that for years so in my life i feel it all kind of came together uh, work wise also so i just use it it's like energy you know one thing leads into the other and your day kind of goes along and you're kind of you know doing your thing and you you realize that ultimately it's just that you know you're just the channel and you're just the medium you're just leading into everything seamlessly uh i do have my ups and downs i i'm not saying i'm perfect but i get through <laughs> them i get through them pretty well i think one of the things i neglected was my yoga practice which i really really re- regret because over the years while i've kept up with it i haven't kept up with it as much as i'd want to i wanted to teach i t- taught in the beginning maria mm. but um i got so busy with the food and so busy with my counseling that you know teaching became difficult mm. you know so uh, how have you been, have you had to what what practices have sustained you through those i mean that's an incredible <laughs> 10 years. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so you you've had to have tremendous energy and vitality is that because you're I think I attribute that to uh, two hours of meditation a day if I can manage or mm-hmm. one hour for sure. Yeah. I do vipassana I sit in the morning that's the first thing I do. So I think yeah. that's uh, that's sustained me for 24 years actually of yeah. my life. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I went through a pretty hard time in my marriage, you know. So that's when I came to vipassana vipassana meditation. Mm. I think it helped me get through that time because that seems like a whole other chapter of my life like I don't even know I lived through those years you know mm. um and um, and yeah uh, uh, you know it's that the meditation I think it is the yoga practice so whenever I do roll out my map mat and I do get into my practice it's like meditation for me so yeah. mm. uh Maria introduced me to some amazing uh, teachers so I had a chance to you know look at I I ever ever every once in a while I'll open up a book and try to follow the teacher and I have a lot of uh, friends uh, I have another yoga fr- uh, friend who's a te- qualified Iyengar teacher in Austin so she helps me with my practice I have a teacher now who's very good mm-hmm. who follows you incidentally Oh really um, Well yeah me here he's very big in uh, he's he's big, uh, he's uh, not so old but good in what he does he's an Iyengar mm-hmm. teacher here in Bombay so my practice helps me and i think um, you know eventually when you're on the uh, when you re- when you realize uh, where you stand in respect to everything else around you and you know you're just such a small part of the whole game mm. um, and you're tied to your spiritual path you know your own growth because indians uh, i don't i won't say indians where pasna does believe in the flow of consciousness you coming back you playing out the karma Mm-hmm. uh and all of that and i'm very tied to that in a very real way like you know i'm very i know that this is just another life and mm-hmm. i'm very tied to that so mm-hmm. i think when you recognize all those little things in your life then automatically um 
you know you don't sweat the other stuff that comes your way uh, mm. you are on a path there i mean i haven't say, I, I won't say it's been easy mm. i think one of the hardest part the hardest parts about being uh, being where i am is being a woman in india because the kind of discriminations that indian women go through forget forget sexual dis- uh, abuse and uh, that's like every indian woman comes close to it but there's a lot of lot of other stuff that you go through as a single woman which uh yeah. only when you go through it you you know you realize that how uh, how backward our society is you know i think that's been the hardest to go through but i've now in a stage in my life where you know i've arrived <laughs> i mean mm. i know how to handle myself i know how to uh and i do it with a lot of love because uh vipassana teaches you that you know it's not mm. about being angry and being reactive and being you recognize the other person's limitations and you treat them with that respect because everybody has some baggage they are carrying and there's divine in everybody and you walk above everything else and then you come down to a level where you can you know deal with them so i'm you sound like you sound like Ruth Bader Ginsburg who used to <laughs> who used to kind of teach yeah. the supreme no, court no, like no. they were kindergarten kids you know she's yeah, like but i have to because yeah. i've come into like i mean imagine living in this apartment building which uh, when i first came here uh there were these it it ran like a fiefdom with a male dominated <laughs> mm. older men uh, you know group that had this young woman come in at the age of 32 and buy a home i mean it yeah. was unheard of and then she had a voice i mean come on you know yeah. uh, their women's were sitting in the kitchen and they didn't let them do anything and then here comes a woman who's sitting on the meetings and i met these older women in the building who said look um uh, don't bother going because they're going to roll you over you know and i'm like i'm not going to do that i own this place you know i want to have a say in what goes on and i was relegated pushed shoved everything like not physically but verbally you know they made things mm. difficult and today i'm the secretary of this building and they hate it and i have been elected by the government so which they hate even more because you know here's a government body that's elected this woman and now they have to kind of all the rules are, and i've got a very young committee and i've got these youngsters on board so the old guys are getting upset so imagine imagine what you you we don't pay attention to those things like i say indian women we are so resilient and so hardy i, I mean hats off to us i think all women are hmm. but india is special yet it's still very the mindsets are still very stuck you know so to deal with that even in a modern city like mumbai it's not easy you know mm. uh and you have to really have uh, a voice and you have to uh, really have be of some strong metal to make it you know mm. to be yeah so it's but it's been good mm. i have no regrets I, i don't want to say that with any negativity it's been great it's been a good journey do you sense that any of that uh that is changing you know how around the world it seems as though women are stepping up or they're being seen more and i just wonder in a culture like india how has has any of that taken hold or is there still uh, just lots of resistance no i think the see the really we are really lucky we live in a city like mumbai hmm. which is still very uh, forward thinking and you know like i can wear shorts and go down and no one's even going to pay a bat and eyelid but delhi is very narrow minded india's like 
India is like America. You know how every state has its own culture, Maria. Mm. Am I right in saying yeah. that? Because yeah. in in America, yeah. Wisconsin is very different from New York. Yeah. And New York's very different from San Francisco, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's the same with India. But imagine India is America multiplied a hundred times. Mm-hmm. So we don't only have smaller towns, villages, cities. We also have castes within castes. And, mm. you know, you'll hear ever so often India coming on the map because some girl has been abused because she's from a lower yeah. caste. Mm. I mean, all this is still going on and it's happened as far as last week. Mm. Yes. So if India was so forward thinking, why did that happen? This is mm. my question, right? So I don't think it's happened. It's changing in the smaller. We still need a mm. lot more education and a lot more awareness. But I would say that, yeah, in Mumbai city, like my domestic's daughter goes to school, which she didn't do. Mm, yeah. Right. So yeah, I see that changing, but I think we're still far away from it. And uh, I, you know, uh, uh, the, what, what's happening with women like me who are, you know, educated, who have done the thing, who are in a way in, in kind of some kind of a society, uh, I, because I come under the radar of, you know, the health industry, I get covered in the papers and all that. And these people in my, the, the, the so-called environment are reading about it, mm-hmm. but the men are not really that broad-minded yet. You know, they still kind of, I, I won't say my peers, but the older guys. Sure. Mm-hmm. Holding peers, on. Yeah. They still hold on to a lot of their old value systems, which they need to change. So it's not changing that radically or drastically. Yeah. Are there female leaders, you know, are there people that you're in contact with or network with who are, who are kind of changing the tide? Yes, there are many female leaders. Mm. And there are many women coming up. Like we just have an economic times women's forum happening now. Mm. Uh, but I think we, I, somewhere I get the sense we need more of it. Mm. I don't think uh, it's still happening in, you know, the smaller groups. See, there's no point in doing it for us because we are already empowered. We've done our stuff. We've been through it. I'm talking about at the grassroots level, something more needs to be done. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wish we had people who would, you know, go around empowering women. I'm sure there are activist group and stuff, but you know, we get so lost in our own lives and our own stuff and our, that we don't step out. It's, it's great having an economic times women's forum for women who are already doing well. What about sure. the ones that are, you know, yeah. sitting back in the boonies in India, getting raped or getting mm. beaten up or getting abused? What about them? So this is where I think change needs to come on a, on a larger level, but then I'll have to become, uh, take up politics for that, <laughs> which, in a, which in India is a dirty job anyway. So, yeah. 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 So. And you, how, oh, go ahead. Shara, you go ahead. You go ahead. I, so COVID mm. has, has been this, um, I mean, some people have said it's kind of this equalizer. I don't know if that's true, but it seems to have affected people of all economic, socioeconomic levels, some, some people more than others, obviously. But I wonder how, what has the impact of COVID been on, on India as a whole? We don't hear a lot out of India about what's happening there outside of, you know, what's happening with numbers and things, but it, just in terms of the economic impacts, the, the social impacts, and even the impacts to people's views about the importance of spending so time the, on health and wellness. Here, yeah, here's the thing about Here's the thing about COVID. Our numbers are the highest. Mm. We all know that India has reached that. We were expecting that because yeah. of our population in any yeah. case. Yeah. Uh, but I'll tell you something about India when I look at it. Okay. 
we have been hit, we get hit so often with so many things mm. that covid just becomes one of those things mm. you know interesting uh, uh, we get hit with you know like when india when we open the papers and we see riots it's not it's no big deal when we open the papers and we see you know someone's infiltrated our borders the chinese are coming over or the pakistanis have done something it's no big deal mm. when we see some hindu muslim thing break out it's no because we've become so resilient as a i think as a population to so many things mm. that eventually when even a covid comes along we just deal with it that's mm. our the, you know like, like when you're a mom you just deal with it right mm. you have these children you're just dealing with it <laughs> but in a, with love right yeah. so it's the same thing with us we just deal with it because we just get up and say okay fine i think this is what most of us have seen no one's paranoid no one's running about yeah of course you find i find that the elite are more paranoid even mm. though they're living in their big homes i visited a friend and she lives in this home with 13 staff members and five family members three acre property and she's worried about covid and i'm like why are you worried about covid you know you can even put the guard at the door you don't need to worry about it it's those people who live in a uh, 10 by 10 feet square feet home six mm. people living that they need to be worried but they are not worried you know mm-hmm. they're wearing their masks they are keeping they they've been instructed to keep themselves clean my part timers who come to me are both from slum areas mm. they need their jobs back i've called them back because it's high time they made their money we paid them along for a while and then after a while we said listen you you come back mm. you know feel because no one wants to sit at home and make free money right mm. so Uh, I think India is very resilient, and we are following the norms. Yet we have large populations, so it's hard to control COVID here mm-hmm. because uh, you know to commute to work you have to get onto the train, and when you're on the train you cannot restrict ten people to a to a you know to a bogey. You need to put more people in there. Mm-hmm. So that's the tough part. But I think as a as a nation we are dealing with it. You know, I mean we just look at it and say, okay, fine. Now we've come to a stage we say, okay, fine. We need to get out. We need to you know make the money um uh, it's really affected some of our migrant laborers because a lot mm-hmm. of them come to bombay mumbai to work and they've had to go back so it's really affected people on an economic level and more so in india because we have the we have really big disparities between the poor people and the really rich we have a huge mm-hmm. gap you know mm-hmm. uh it's affected people uh, i'm sure but i think as a as a race we are far more resilient i think we are the one of the most resilient races after the chinese <laughs> so yeah. so yeah so we just look at it and say listen let's bash on let's just do this if we get it we'll see about it you know we'll do our mm. thing i think one thing i'll say in our favor is we have better uh, better uh, policies on healthcare than than the us does so mm. it's not as if you're going to go to a government hospital and get shunted out because you don't have an insurance mm. they will take you in so i think that's a positive for us mm-hmm. and uh, our government's doing a good job you know uh so it's it's all good i think we're handling covid pretty well mm. but we were expecting the numbers to go up because we've got a big population yeah you know yeah but uh, yeah we're dealing with it i mean the the we we the deaths are lesser people come are coming out of it you know and indians figure it out mm. indians have this amazing tendency they just figure things out mm. i think the british left us with that you know mm. they left yeah. us with this uh this uh this survival instinct that you know we had to get them out of our country so we did that and then finally we had to survive and we did that mm-hmm. you know so we have to thank the british for that <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah 
the legacy of colonialism. Yeah, the legacy of colonialism. So going going back to how you're helping people, are you are you having people come? Because you said you have like a 360 approach where you do counseling. Um, so you have people come to you who are so feeling I, well. I have a person come to me for let's say their consulting uh, mm. for their health. So I have uh, I have them on two month, four month, or one month plans. Uh, I've consciously not, uh, India's movement, health movement has grown so large and the social media has made it not that easy. So I'd like to say here that there are a lot of uh, people out there who aren't really qualified, but doing, trying to get into the field and practice things, which is really sad. Mm. Um, So uh, they've kind of, you know, they're also botching up people's health. So that's happening in India on one front. Plus our licensing government, the government has only given us one license to do not practice, but to have a product out. So products are not getting tested the way they should be tested, like the, the US. So that's happening on one side. But in all of it, I've realized that my journey is my journey. My path is my path, not in a selfish way, but in a very unique way. And uh, even though there are many people charging high prices for consults and things like that, not being so qualified, I've kept myself accessible to the middleman. And uh, I wanted to move uh, keeping myself accessible because otherwise uh, there's no point. What am I in this job for? I'm not Mm. just here for the rich. I'm here for everybody. Right. Mm. So I've I've done that. And people come to me for, for their consult, uh, for their consults. Then if they need products, I do the product. So the products are going to go out soon. So that's the next line of business I'm starting where I have an Ayurvedic ghee that's coming out. Mm. I have sauerkraut that I make. I Mm -hmm. do, uh, you know, beet kwas, which I do out of my kitchen. So that goes to my clients right now. Mm-hmm. But that's the next line which I'm trying to streamline to get out because I think time has come now to get out. Mm-hmm. I have a, a brand equity little bit I've built up in the market. So people do trust me with what I do. Mm-hmm. Plus I have the, I've tested these products on my own clients. So they work, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I do workshops. I do the workshops mainly because people like interacting with you. They like seeing you. They don't want you to be so inaccessible. So I kind of uh, do these workshops. Now I'm doing them on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I do these workshops on Instagram now, but previously I was doing them one-on-one. Uh, I somehow have managed the cooking workshops, which I do cooking for health for different conditions and I do instructional. So mm-hmm. that's the, another thing that I do. And then of course I'm writing. So the, the books, I've got three more books coming out in the coming. Three year. more. Wow. Yeah, three more. Amazing. So yeah. So those books are nice. The books kind of get to the smaller towns, which is really nice. So people uh-huh. from really small towns are reading about things that you're doing and then they get translated into the regional languages. Mm. So they get translated into, let's say a Hindi or a Marathi sure. and stuff. So that mm. really helps. So that gets out. And then of course, uh, Instagram, you know, I was really lagging on social media. I was not doing videos. I was just like a horse with blinkers, working, <laughs> working, 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 working. And then I realized suddenly, Oh my God, there's a world out there. And now <laughs> someone is saying something and some. So then one of my ex-clients said, listen, she was obsessed with Instagram. And she was like, why don't you let me take up your social media and let's do Instagram. So we grew from 300 to 25,000. How did you do that? It's wild. So, you know, I started watching Gary Vee. Have you heard of Gary? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Shara's on the pulse. She's completely. One day I was sitting at this coffee shop and I saw his book crushing it, staring out at me and I picked it up and then I started following him and I, and I don't follow him so much now. I keep in touch with what he's doing. But in those days when I was trying to grow, I was following every little word he was saying. And he said, look, his message is simple. Be kind, 
put your content out, forget the numbers, do the work. That's his message. All right. So if you get that message and you really get it from here, then you're going to just keep doing it. So I said, okay, let me just keep putting out content for people, good content. And, uh, uh, you know, this girl, uh, I generate the content. I do the creatives uh, because it's just very expensive to farm it off to someone else. And she just guides it. So we started growing with 450 people every month. And then during COVID, we've grown to a thousand people every month. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you have many unfollows also. So a lot of people mm -hmm. unfollow you. So it's a game. But I just keep doing the work and I have the pulse on the market. So I know what to write about. Mm -hmm. uh, I know what people are wanting to devour in terms of, um, uh, you know, information. I know uh, what to bring out. I know the nuances of what to bring out. So we, we, we kind of guide it strategically, which is really nice because otherwise I get lazy and I don't write. So she has these buckets in place and she says, okay, there's a home remedy bucket and there's a skin bucket, skin care and there's hair care, blah, blah, blah. So we structure it. So Instagram's worked really well and it's an organic audience and I'm very proud of the work I've done there. And I think that eventually started also translating into business because mm -hmm. ultimately whatever you do has to, there has to be some translation into uh, monetarily also, no, because that's mm -hmm. what you're surviving on. But um, so yeah, so social media, I still feel I'm weak on YouTube. And then uh, because I, <laughs> you know, the, you go through all this. For me, it's all about the, uh, the whole fun of being here. And then I just one day told this friend of mine, I said, look, I need to do a podcast. He owns a studio. He's a, he's a producer. And I said, I want to do my own podcast. I want to own my own mic. I want to sit and record. I have so much content. I can just get up at five in the morning. I meditate at five, five to six. I'll do this six o'clock because I'm a very type A young out there sort of person. So he says, listen, why don't you write me a show and I'll try and I work with Audible and I'll give it to them. And uh, I said, okay. So I said, I want to interview the top 10 health experts in their fields, you know, and luckily, I've built up a good rapport with uh, people, you know, by now. And I can draw into them. They'll come if I tell them to come. So I got hold of these. I wrote out this thing. I sat one day within, like, I know one thing that once I put my mind to it, I can do it. So within four hours, I wrote this episode out. And I, I, it went on a Monday and it came back approved on a Wednesday. And I almost died. I was like, I can't believe this. So Soul Food Conversations happened through that. And uh, now we've done a, uh, I said, now I want to really go to the masses. So now I've uh, done a, a regional language, Hindi, in Hindi, which is mm. the language of everyone understands in India, mm. about very basic things. I'm, you know, trying to do a, a, a Hindi thing and get that out because I want uh, to, uh, you know, even the villagers should be able to listen to why milk is not good for him, you know. So, so what are what are your basics? Like, have you got some things? It, it, do you have some things that you consider your basics that sort of it, you end up saying to everybody? Uh, on a food level? Yeah, like you were saying about milk. And I think oh, yeah. I listened. Sugar, sugar, dairy, white flour, um, uh, no process, no refined, no packaged, uh, minimal, uh, stay plant-based as far as possible if you can. Uh, do not, um, you know, um, have too many stimulants, which is coffee, Indian mm. tea, which is like mm. crazy about their masala chai. Mm. So not that. And... Uh, you know, stay away as much as possible from uh, too much alcohol. So, I mean, the usual stuff. And of course, uh, focus on the gut, like Ayurveda says, the Agni and, you mm -hmm. know, uh, fermented foods are, uh, we, I think I, I very proudly say, and again, I say this with no ego, uh, <laughs> I've kind of introduced the fermented, I'm a big proponent of the fermented food movement in India. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, 
uh, we got people to think sauerkraut, which India would never think about. Yeah. You know, or we got people to think of beet kwas or sauerkraut juice. And these are all very inane, like out there terms for Indians, you know. There but are, they are thinking were about there, it today. Were there some traditional foods that are fermented in India? Yeah, kanji. Kanji is a traditional fermented a carrot drink. It's like a kwas, hmm. but it's got a three-day ferment. Idli dosa is fermented. Yeah. Dosa, yeah. 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 Dosa and idli is fermented. Idli, That's something yeah. that yeah. Uh, but we were not doing it and we were relying on Indians are we are the la- diabetic capital of the world mm, so really? lot of sugar yeah. lot of sugar in our diet lot yeah. of refined oil mm-hmm. you know a uh, lot of white rice lot of so there, there are those evils you know like uh, Indians have that and uh, we are big on lifestyle diseases now yeah mm-hmm. that's happening at an accelerated rate but the accelerated rate of the health food movement with people in it that are not qualified practicing and the government not putting in stricter norms to have licensing in place is causing a situation to get worse. So while we are growing on one hand, on the other hand, there's this happening as well, which is really sad. So Mm. I hope that changes. I hope somewhere, because I interviewed like on Soul Food Conversations, I've interviewed the pioneer of the organic food movement, Kavita Mukhi. She started organic in India, okay? Uh-huh. Apart from another very big woman, Vandana Shiva. But, uh, and she herself said, like she's not part of any government body. They should have taken her on by now hmm. to have some sort of streamlining done. And she says, I don't expect it. Hmm. Which I find very weird because she's been here for 25 years doing such good work. And yeah. no one in the government has even noticed. The government is still picking up the people who are, you know, just in the social media doing their work, which I, which I find so crazy, you know. So, uh, so yeah, we need is some the, good people up there. Is the government actually interested in helping to try to solve the problem? I think they are. Yeah. I think on a genuine level, they are. But I, I, think I think they are, but I think they still go with social media ratings and they still go with, they don't really look at the work. Mm-hmm. I think it's very important to have a body that looks at the, like I tell my clients, you know, they say, oh, how do we trust this? I say, you have to look at the work and see the history behind the person. No, If you're going to trust the person with a cancer or an ulcerative colitis or your health condition, you need to have trust in that person that that person is going to take you across, not their social media numbers. Mm-hmm. So similarly with the government, you know, you've got to look at the person's body of work. Like Dr. Ravindran, my Ayurvedic guy, Mm. he gets picked by the government because he he clearly is the best in what he does to get deputed to, let's say, Trump wanted an Ayurvedic consultancy. I'm just thinking of, Mm. uh, you know, the uh, Imran Khan, Khan, yeah, Pakistan wanted the, Mm. uh, they would fly him down. Right. So they've recognized his genius because there was a middleman who happened to be the friend of the prime minister or the yeah. president in our country, the mm. prime minister in our country. But, uh, but, and they rec- but he's this simple little guy practicing in the South, which, you know, who no one has really heard of because he doesn't do social media. He's not big on social media. He's a simple guy mm. just doing his work. Um, but yeah, so I think the government really needs to uh, get into it. I hope they hear your podcast. Well, all governments need to get into it. They all need to embrace, you know, well, especially where there's a public health system, which we now from COVID realize is so important. But the the prevention that that yoga or, you know, meditation or proper nutrition, you know, just an approach to eating that is is healthy 
it would cut out so many of the lifestyle diseases. Yeah, exactly, yeah. and save money overall. And that's a huge health bill. So it's amazing nobody's really thought of it, except you have to understand yeah. it and be able to feel it to actually know how important it is. Yeah, mm. I think India has too many problems and too many mm. problems are yeah. larger than the, yeah. you know, we are now realizing like, listen, immunity is really important, you know, mm, yeah. uh, to, to deal with COVID. So I'm hoping like, you know, someone puts a body together or does something. In, individually, me and that like that organic person, Kavita, we are thinking of doing a road show through India. Hmm, we just do really? free lectures for the villagers and the people. And she's very keen. She's a firefighter like me. So she's like, next year, we're going to do this. Even if we have to slum it out in the trains of Bombay, uh, trains of India, we're going to go through India. I said, yes, let's do it. So right. I don't say no to anything. I'm like, let's do it. Let's go to every village and give a talk, you know? Yeah, that would be amazing. Wouldn't it? Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, ultimately you have to be, I feel, this is my perspective. Again, no ego attached to it. Mm -hmm. uh, I always say that because I'm coming from, the thing is that, you know, you. it's not about the money in the end. We all know that because... I firmly believe our one constant reality in life is we're all going to go the same way and we don't mm. take anything with us, right? Um, and if you really realize that about our lives, you know, uh, and how impermanent everything is, right? And I truly believe in that. Then we will know that, listen, we got to just give the juice to every moment, mm. right? And live mm. like that. Uh, and I do that. I try to do that all the time. And I try to bring, that's my big, you know, level of, you know, when I think about life like that, and when I think about energy and it's taken a long time to get here, it's not been, it didn't happen to me overnight. It took me like 24 years. I think on my, in my 22nd year of Vipassana, somewhere the penny dropped. <laughs> oh, this is what it is. You know, yeah. it didn't happen like in those 20 years, but it happened in the 22nd year, you know, so <laughs> yeah. it, it's taken its time. It's taken the work, but uh, you know, if we all realize that, listen, ultimately we're just that we're just energy, giving back energy and getting it back. And you know, mm. that's the reality. Then you, you change the whole way of living your life. It's, it's different. Yeah. Mm. Life becomes more meaningful and more uh, makes you, you're more happier. You're not attached to the other stuff. You know, mm. you're not chasing mm. it anymore. Mm. I, I, I'm mm. there. I'm not chasing it anymore. I but say you're that committed you know, to getting I, your work out there. Yeah. yeah, I'm committed to getting my work out there. I'm committed to doing. I'm very committed to. Uh, uh, Mona Schwartz was this American woman who lived in Dehradun, India, and mm -hmm. uh, she introduced me to macrobiotics. I studied with her for a week, and uh, she said, "Listen, I'm going to give back to India, you, because I couldn't do much in Dehradun." with macrobiotics. This is a really retired community. She only grew her brown rice then did her farmer's markets. So she said, go study, come back. And when I went back and met her 13 years later, she's like, finally, you know, if you hadn't peeled the layers and hadn't, you know, you're like an onion peeling itself and you've gotten to the core now. And if I, if I hadn't seen that in you, I wouldn't have. So I, I was very true to her lineage, her philosophy, coming back, doing this. And uh, very, uh, very, uh, every day I say, what is it that I can do better? You know, like mm. what, what can I bring out that one thing which I can touch someone's life with, even if it's with my granola bar, or even if, if it's with my, um, you know, one beet quas drink, or even if it's with something that I do, how can I touch someone's life and make it more meaningful? Because mm. that's where the true work is, you know? Mm. Um, 
and yeah, I'm passionate about that. I'm very type A about that, Maria. You're right. You know, it's, I go it's, for it with a lot of like, I go full on and, you know, uh, do yeah. it and get out there and yeah, and I approach it that way. Mm. Mm. And was there any difficulty in kind of marrying the Ayurveda and the macrobiotics? I, I, Not really, because mm -hmm. uh, the macrobiotic, George Osawa came and studied the Charak Samhita, which is the mm. Ayurvedic text. Really? So before he, yeah, <clears throat> before he went back and actually put something together for on macrobiotics, he had come and studied. And the Ayurveda texts also go back to the Nadis and the chakra system. Mm. as does macrobiotic text takes you back to the nadis and the chakra system so they mm. talk about it too it's very embedded in their texts and uh, they of course we talk about the meridian uh, meridian lines right the, mm. the tcm approaches about the meridian lines the macrobiotics is rooted in that as well so it's very similar uh, uh, it's very similar and i think one of the beauties about being where i'm at is recognizing the differences and the similarities Mm. and uh, marrying them two together to, for example, if Ayurveda says, Ayurveda and macrobiotics don't agree with the yogurt concept. Mm -hmm. They don't believe in yogurt. Uh, but Ayurveda believes in milk and certain medications do get absorbed better through dairy. Mm -hmm. But they're talking about, you know, the really the cow that you know dairy. They do, they're not talking about the dairy that's out there dairy, right? Mm. So when you go to the Panchakarma center, you'll get that dairy because they have their own cow. Hmm. But if you're going to have the dairy in Mumbai city, you're going to buy Tetra Pak milk, which is not the same dairy. Sure. Right? So uh, you have to educate people about that, right? Just because your Ayurvedic doctor was making you drink it at the Panchakarma center doesn't mean Mumbai is going to give you the same dairy. So then what mm -hmm. do you do? Right? Mm -hmm. So then educating people. So I think I've learned how to kind of bridge it together, marry it in a way. And then of course, bringing in the Panchakarma, which I've, I myself have done for the last 15 years, mm -hmm. you know? So I've seen the beauty of how well it works together. And I think macrobiotics alone on the disease front can do it for you, can help. But I think bringing in this whole Ayurvedic element is a whole other richness that one has added to it, you know? And made it more robust as a treatment mm -hmm. uh, approach for people. So I really feel like, yeah, I'm heading towards that. And it's going to happen, I'm sure. I'm going to have that place in the hills where you're going to mm -hmm. come and teach, Maria. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Will you? Yeah. 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 Wow. And so yeah. is, have you, you've got, you've got such a beautiful vision for, you know, what you're looking to create. And you've obviously created so much of it already. Have you thought about what your legacy is? Like, is there something that you're thinking, you know, this is what I really want. This is the impact that I want to have had or to have on the world well, or on I, India. Uh, when, I, when, I, when I sat back and, you know, I hear people say that, Mm. what's my legacy you know what am I going to leave behind <laughs> I, know. I still feel it's a very to be honest and I'm yeah. just this, I still feel it comes out of ego yeah okay right okay because <laughs> I just feel I, I, I you know I'm living my legacy I don't mm. I, I, you know, what am I going to take with me you know or yeah. what am I going to leave behind and be attached to it I mean passion. I don't want someone when I die say you know oh this was Shanali that did it for me. No, that's, it's okay. You know, as long mm. as I lifted their life and as long as they feel better about it, yeah. um, I'm not attached to the legacy of what I lead, leave because I'm already doing, I'm already leaving. I can see how my clients, when, you know, they, they are my mirrors and they are part of me. They're a reflection of me and they already mm. reflect back damaged parts of me and the good parts of me. Mm. And I'm already making a difference in their lives. I know that, uh, 
and I'm very passionate about changing their lives around and very married to that. So I don't think about my legacy. Yeah. That's I just beautiful. think about I just think about how I'm going to uh I wish I could just check out of life finally. That's what I think about the cycle of birth <laughs> and death. Those are the things I think about, you know. Yeah. And how am I going to get rid of all this baggage that I have been carrying on me for so many lifetimes and how nice so when I go to my Vipassana course that's my level, you know, I come back I'm I'm doing one in the on November again 10 days. Yeah. So I come back and it really kind of really makes you question of who you are, where you're at, mm-hmm. where you're headed. So I think about those things. Mm-hmm. I I don't really pay too much attention to what's my legacy. Yeah. And when people say that I don't I I I mean I say oh great. You know, you leave back something. But I think it's still when you say what's my legacy you're still attached to it with an ego. Mhm. Yeah. And will you teach what you're doing? I mean, it sounds uh, I have a lot of people wanting to learn. Yeah. But I don't want to do something quick that turns people around no. in uh, 12 weeks which most people are doing because sure. I know I took 4 years mm. and I'm still not there. I'm still learning because of my work. So mm. I want to have a very serious course like KI did. Kushi Institute closed down eventually because Micho Kushi yeah. died. and we had a very nice structured program you know it was like i have my books i have so i want to sit with someone that's the next thing also create a syllabus and i'd love for it again to be in the hills where i'm planning this retreat center wow. where people can actually come sit and learn yeah mm. rather than doing it quickly you know because we're talking about yin and yang and styles of cooking and elements of cooking and how do you do it and how do you okay so you can't teach that to someone online no. you can't teach that to someone you know just doing a one off hurried course mm. so yeah i i would like it to be i am working on it i have to find someone to get my syllabus together mm. so that's another project that i'll do but i'd <laughs> like it to be residential mm-hmm. mm. like it to be residential yeah cuz i feel like um i feel like teaching once you've consolidated all that teaching can be a legacy not that you not an ego one but a i guess a way of spreading the word kind of yeah. and and yeah, a and way think, of yeah indians are uh, i did inspire a lot of some couple of women went online and did the course and mm-hmm. came back uh, and you know are pract- are doing it in their own way but mm-hmm. i think in that in depth way which you know i took it into me it's in my dna now and i live it practice it teach it whatever i think that sort of way has to be learned by a lot of you know sitting and actually going through mm. it the way the kekil kushi institute taught us yeah. so i really feel it should be residential it should be all about living because we used to get up do our qigong in the morning mm. bleed into a little yoga practice then we'd start our day and then there were long days and lots of people teaching in between and then cooking classes hands on cooking taking up one disease stripping it apart so if we learned on thyroid we stripped thyroid apart if mm. we learned on it's like your asanas you know It's like breaking mm-hmm. it down, right? Same thing. So if you learnt on, uh, you know, Crohn's disease, you broke it down. Yang disease, Yang. What are the manifestations? What is what the person could have eaten? What could have caused it? How are you going to recommend it? What are the remedies that you think about it? So, you know, it's you you cannot teach people all this in a jiffy. It has to really, yeah. you know, it's a slow process. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So nice. someday. Yeah, it sounds someday. wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, so oh, come to a, India when you guys are ready. Well, <laughs> we we said that. Yeah, <laughs> well, we said I really have never done panchakarma, and I really want to. Char has done it a bunch of times. Yeah, you yeah. must. You have to. You yeah. need three weeks, though. Yeah. The minimum that's needed. 
Yeah, no, uh, three weeks is fine. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you'll fall in love with Dr. Ravindran. That much I'll tell mm. you. Yeah. Someone you have to meet at least once in your lifetime. Right. Mm. And where is he? Is he in Kerala? Uh, or he... uh, Yeah, he's in Kerala. Huh? He's got a little center in Cochin. Okay. But mm. he's practicing uh, outpatient out of his home at the moment. Uh-huh. He'll be attached to uh, one of the biggest institutions called Aryavaidya Pharmacy in Coimbatore, but he left uh-huh. that. And, uh, and yeah, he's, uh, you know, he's on to bigger things. And, yeah. uh, but he's, he's one of those guys who, you know, it's okay. He's a part of the whole thing and he'll get there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pure energy and, you know, everything is about just doing the work and, you know, yeah. uh, amazing person. I'm very fortunate that I got to meet him, be with him. And he's taken me on. Like he's told me, Shanali, go out there. I will support you medically. So that was enough nice. for me. Like, yeah. okay, fine. That's all I needed from him. And that was a big thing because when mm. he said that to me, of uh, I think 13 years into being with him, the, his, his uh, junior, who's like his assistant, who's like a brother to me came back and he said, it's a very big thing. Huh? He's told you. I said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So yeah, Lovely. so we'll do something. I know eventually mm. it's going to happen. Yeah. 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 But well, India, it- isn't your daughter's name India? Yes. She's now 21. I have been to India, but before they had Pepsi and Coke. I was there in 1990. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I reckon it's changed that. a little bit. But anyway. Yeah. yeah. I love yeah. a lot. But yeah, the smaller parts haven't. Hmm. Yeah. The smaller towns haven't. And when you yeah. come, you should always get in touch with me because, uh, oh, yeah. uh, I, uh, you know, I could plan a trip which would be worth your while. Because oh. Excellent. India needs a, a little time. Mm. Yeah, yeah, you know, I accept. As soon as, <laughs> as soon as it's safe to move around. And I'll, I'll travel with you. Yeah, so. wonderful. That would be yeah. so much fun. Yeah. 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 We'll eat well, move well. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. this has been such a delight. It's been so much fun to catch up and to hear. Yeah, same here. I'm so yeah. glad you reached out. I was so happy and excited. Yeah, I know. It's fun. Okay. okay. Thank you, Thank so, you much. so much. Thanks. Yeah. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Uh-huh. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much, Shanali, for taking time to talk with us. You know something? When we started this podcast, we really had no idea where it was going to take us. And even though it is still very much in its infancy, Maria and I are more and more excited every day about the possibilities. You know, since this chat, we've actually had a number of deep and beautiful conversations with yogis that you may or may not know. And so do stay tuned in as we're going to be bringing those episodes to you in the weeks ahead. We're also starting to think about who to reach out to for juicy conversations in 2021. So if you've got some suggestions, please send them to info at blissbodyandsoul.com as we would love to know who you'd like to hear from in 2021. You know what? I won't even start with the where did this year go stuff. We can do that in a couple of weeks. I'll just say that it's been an incredible year for us and it's not even done And that is definitely due in part to the fact that you're out there listening. Community has been a really big theme of this year, and we're so happy to have grown our community through this medium, this podcast medium. And so a really big thanks to you. And stay tuned, as I said, because our next conversation is with another woman who I met in Jay Brown's yoga teacher's class. And man, am I glad I did. She is one of the most interesting people I've had the pleasure to say that I know and you're gonna love hearing her story so make sure to subscribe so that you'll get notified when that episode drops and until then take care of yourselves namaste